abgenommen bedauert. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city, where under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. We take you now to Police Lineup. Sit here. Sure, sure. Any chair in the room, Mr. Holmes. You'll sit beside me, Lieutenant Guthrie. Sure. I hope I didn't do wrong about that boy, Lieutenant, but I'm pretty sure there was a bullet hole in that coat. You did just right. Like the other people here, you've all come to try to identify someone in the lineup for one reason or another. May I have your attention, please? That's Sergeant Greb in charge of the lineup. He'll explain it to you. You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I will explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you are sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. The officers who took your name will assist you. They are seated among you. Please be prompt with your questions or identifications. Lieutenant. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead, Mr. Hope. Light up. Relax. When the prisoners leave here, they are sent to the bathroom and dressed back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back after they leave here. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice, so do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. All right, boys, this way. You, the front one. Walk the end of the stage and take your place. The rest follow. Now turn around and face front. Hands to your sides. Look straight ahead. Hey, you, hold your head up. Look straight ahead so the people out there can see you. That's right. Number one, George Marvin, concealed weapon. Where do you live, George? I live downtown. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Where do you live? I said I live downtown. Where downtown? What street? Um, Moon Hotel on uh, Front Street. How long have you been in town, George? Three days. Did the officer find a gun on you? Yeah. What kind? 32 on a 45. Number two, James Hodge, theft. How long have you been in town, Jimmy? All my life, 23 years. Where do you live? 1215 Pennsylvania Avenue. Were you armed when the officer arrested you? No, sir. Never owned a gun in my life. Number three, Mickey Bianco, robbery. Where do you live, Mickey? I, I don't know, sir. Where'd you sleep last night? Mission House on Ruxton Avenue. Was anyone arrested with you? Yes, sir. Fell next to me. Number four, Harry Greco, robbery. Was anyone arrested with you, Harry? Yeah, the kid you just talked to. Known him long? Yes, sir. That's how long. Did you have the gun the officers found, or did Mickey? <coughs> me, it was, Luther. It was mine. Are there any questions or identifications from the audience? Any questions or identifications from you people out there? Hold number two, Sergeant. All right, Lieutenant. The rest of you boys go through this door. You, Jimmy Hodge, stay. 
All right, Jimmy, turn sideways. Face the wall. Turn sideways. To the front. How long since you shaved, Jimmy? One day. I shaved yesterday. This man has a slight half-moon scar on his right cheek, obscured by his beard. Height 5'8". Uh, does anyone make identification? I'm sure that's him, Lieutenant. All right, Mr. Holt. Sergeant Graham. Yes, Lieutenant. Hold for interrogation. In here, Jimmy. Now, you can sit down. Thank you. Oh, Ben, I picked up the release forms on a couple of the boys in the lineup. We're letting them go. No one identified them. I run them down to communications? Sure, go ahead. And grab yourself some coffee. <laughs> I'll do that, thanks. Whew. It's a hot night, huh? Yeah, it is a hot night. You can turn on that fan if you want it, Jimmy. Yes, sir. The switch is right behind you on the wall. Okay. Cigarette, Jimmy? I still have some of my own, sir. Yeah, light up. Go on. My name's Ben Guthrie, Jimmy. I want you to understand the law is as much on your side as it I is... I know all about that, Mr. Guthrie. Yeah, I guess you do. Where'd you get that coat you tried to sell, Jimmy? I told the arresting officer. Now, tell me, too. Got it from a man I work for sometimes. I sweep up and clean the windows. Now, what's his this, name, uh, Jimmy? Mr. Roy Cameron. He's got a little jewelry shop, 12th Street. He calls on, on me now and then. And Mr. Cameron gave you the coat? Yes, sir, he did. Why would I lie about a thing like that? You can ask him. We will, Jimmy. He gave you a coat. Now, why do you suppose he gave you a woman's coat? You wouldn't have any use for a woman's coat. I don't know why he gave it to me. I guess he just wanted to be kind. He knows I got a sister. Oh? But you didn't give it to your sister. You tried to sell it. Why? Why? Because I don't make much money, Mr. Guthrie. I thought I could pick up a couple of bucks easy. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you try to sell it the usual way, to a friend or an old clothes shop, something like that? I did. They thought I'd stole it just like that man did who yelled for the police. And all I did was come out of that alley and sell him an old coat. Where's the coat now, Jimmy? After I ran away, I gave it to my sister Ruth. Ruth Hodge? Yeah. And we'll check. This Mr. Holt, that's the man who had you arrested and identified you tonight in the lineup. Do you know what made Mr. Holt really suspicious of you? A lot of things, I guess, because it came out of the alley. Because, because in the back of the coat, he saw a bullet hole. Mr. Holt says to him it looked like a bullet hole. A bullet hole? I didn't know anything about that. Mr. Cameron gave me the coat all wrapped up. I didn't even see until that man asked me to unwrap it and show it to him. I don't know nothing about a bullet hole, nothing about it. That's all, Jimmy. Roy Cameron on 12th Street? Yes, sir, that's the man. Just ask him, just ask him, Mr. Guthrie. Cameron. We're coming. Coming. Sorry, mister. I was just in the back room brewing myself some coffee. Good morning. May I help you? Watch and engagement ring? Oh, yes? I'm Ben Guthrie. Police, Mr. Cameron. Oh, let us shake hands, Mr. Guthrie. Thank you. I respect you men very highly. 
All you police. We're holding a boy on suspicion, Mr. Cameron, uh, Jimmy Hodge. Do you know him? Jimmy? Of course I know him. Is he in trouble? No. Uh, before you tell me, please come into the back room and have a cup of coffee with me. Please, Mr. Guthrie. Thanks, I will. Good. Through those curtains. Yeah, listen to it. It's perking. Take a cup off that hope, Mr. Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Jimmy said you uh, gave him a woman's call. Say when. Oh, and thanks. The uh, boy said you Did gave I him... gave him a call? Hey, anybody here? Stop! Oh, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Guthrie. Customers, uh, make yourself at home. I'm, I'm coming, coming. Uh, good morning. Uh, may I help you? Oh, mind if we look around, Pops? My wife and me are looking for a... Uh, we don't know, something pretty... Okay, we look around? Please, uh, browse all you like. When you've decided, just call me. I'll be in the back room. I'm having coffee with a friend. Yeah, sure. Go right ahead, Pops. My wife and me get all the time in the world. Oh, you finished your cup, Mr. Guthrie. Another? Uh, no, thanks. About Jimmy Hodge, Mr. Cameron. Oh, yes, yes. So, so many interruptions. Uh, the coat. Yes, I gave it to Jimmy. He works hard. I thought it would... What's Jimmy done, Mr. Guthrie? When did you give it to him? Yesterday afternoon, when he finished work, about five o'clock. What's Jimmy done, Mr. Guthrie? Something bad? It was a girl's coat. It had a bullet hole in it. I know. What? You said something, Mr. Cameron. You said you knew it had a bullet hole in it. I know. It was Anita's coat. My daughter's. The coat she was murdered in. My child, Anita. Then yours. The father of a murdered girl. Two months ago, Mr. Guthrie, you must remember. Yeah. Yeah, I do. This is a happy day for me, Mr. Guthrie. Tomorrow, Saturday, we'll be happier. Tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, we'll be much, much happier. Oh? Yeah. Tomorrow at 10, the man who killed my child, Anita, will be executed for murder. Tomorrow. That's why I respect you police, Mr. Guthrie. You'll kill him tomorrow, Saturday. Matt. Oh, Matt, I was looking for you. Oh, hello, Ben. I was just getting ready to go... Sergeant Greb. They're ready to run him through the lineup, Sergeant. Oh, I'll They're be ready. Right. to hold it a minute. Oh, yeah. I'll be with you. really suspenseful story and might more properly be aired in the suspense series. Not only are Elliot Lewis's directing and Morton Fine and David Friedkin's storylines superb, but Eddie Dunstetter's mood music is unbelievable. 
See if you don't agree with me as now we listen to the audition show of the lineup, which was actually titled Police Lineup, with the Anita Cameron case. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city, where under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. We take you now to Police Lineup. sit here. Sure, sure. Any chair in the room, Mr. Holmes. You'll sit beside me, Lieutenant Guthrie. Sure. I hope I didn't do wrong about that boy, Lieutenant, but I'm pretty sure there was a bullet hole in that coat. You did just right. Like the other people here, you've all come to try to identify someone in the lineup for one reason or another. May I have your attention, please? That's Sergeant Greb in charge of the lineup. He'll explain it to you. Oh. You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? <laughs> Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I will explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I call off a number, their name and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you are sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. The officers who took your name will assist you. They are seated among you. Please be prompt with your questions or identification. Lieutenant. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead, Mr. Holt. Light up. Relax. When the prisoners leave here, they are sent to the bathroom and dressed back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back after they leave here. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice, so do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. All right, boys, this way. You, the front one. Walk the end of the stage and take your place. The rest follow. Now turn around and face front. Hands to your sides. Look straight ahead. Hey, you, hold your head up. Look straight ahead so the people out there can see you. That's right. Number one, George Marvin, concealed weapon. Where do you live, George? Well, I'm downtown. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Where do you live? I said I live downtown. Where downtown? What street? Uh, Moon Hotel on uh, Front Street. How long have you been in town, George? Three days. Did the officer find a gun on you? Yeah. What kind? 32 on a 45. Number two, James Hodge, theft. How long have you been in town, Jimmy? All my life, 23 years. Where do you live? 1215 Pennsylvania Avenue. Were you armed when the officer arrested you? No, sir. Never owned a gun in my life. Number three, Mickey Bianco, robbery. Where do you live, Mickey? I... I don't know, sir. Where'd you sleep last night? Mission House on Ruxton Avenue. Was anyone arrested with you? Yes, sir. Fell next to me. Number four, Harry Greco, robbery. Was anyone arrested with you, Harry? Yeah, the kid you just talked to. Known him long? Yes, sir. That's how long. Did you have the gun the officers found, or did Mickey? <coughs> me, you was souvenir. I'm It was mine. Are there any questions or identifications from the audience? Any questions or identifications from you people out there? Hold number two, Sergeant. All right, Lieutenant. The rest of you boys go through this door. You, Jimmy Hodge, stay. 
All right, Jimmy, turn sideways. Face the wall. Turn sideways. To the front. How long since you shaved, Jimmy? One day. I shaved yesterday. This man has a slight half-moon scar on his right cheek, obscured by his beard. Height 5'8". Uh, does anyone make identification? I'm sure that's him, Lieutenant. All right, Mr. Holmes. Sergeant Graham. Yes, Lieutenant. Hold for interrogation. In here, Jimmy. Now, you can sit down. Thank you. Oh, Ben, I picked up the release forms on a couple of the boys in the lineup. We're letting them go. No one identified them. I run them down to communications? Sure, go ahead. And grab yourself some coffee. <laughs> I'll do that, thanks. Whew. It's a hot night, huh? Yeah. There's a hot night. You can turn on that fan if you want to, Jimmy. Yes, sir. The switch is right behind you on the wall. Okay. Cigarette, Jimmy? I still have some of my own, sir. Yeah, light up. Go on. My name's Ben Guthrie, Jimmy. I want you to understand the law is as much on your side as it I is... I know all about that, Mr. Guthrie. Yeah, I guess you do. Where'd you get that coat you tried to sell, Jimmy? I told the arresting officer. Well, tell me, too. Got it from a man I worked for sometimes. I sweep up and clean the windows. Now, what's his this, name, uh, Jimmy? Mr. Roy Cameron. He's got a little jewelry shop, 12th Street. He calls on, on me now and then. And Mr. Cameron gave you the coat? Yes, sir, he did. Why would I lie about a thing like that? You can ask him. We will, Jimmy. He gave you a coat. Now, why do you suppose he gave you a woman's coat? You wouldn't have any use for a woman's coat. I don't know why he gave it to me. I guess he just wanted to be kind. He knows I got a sister. Oh? But you didn't give it to your sister. You tried to sell it. Why? Why? Because I don't make much money, Mr. Guthrie. I thought I could pick up a couple of bucks easy. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you try to sell it the usual way, to a friend or an old clothes shop, something like that? I did. They thought I'd stole it just like that man did who yelled for the police. And all I did was come out of that alley and sell him an old coat. Where's the coat now, Jimmy? After I ran away, I gave it to my sister, Ruth. Ruth Hodge? Yeah. And we'll check. This Mr. Holt... That's the man who had you arrested and identified you tonight in the lineup. Do you know what made Mr. Holt really suspicious of you? A lot of things, I guess, because it came out of the alley. Because, because in the back of the coat, he saw a bullet hole. Mr. Holt says to him it looked like a bullet hole. A bullet hole? I didn't know anything about that. Mr. Cameron gave me the coat all wrapped up. I didn't even see until that man asked me to unwrap it and show it to him. I don't know nothing about a bullet hole, nothing about it. That's all, Jimmy. Roy Cameron on 12th Street? Yes, sir, that's the man. Just ask him, just ask him, Mr. Guthrie. Anyone here? Mr. Cameron. We're coming, coming. Sorry, mister, I was just in the back room brewing myself some coffee. Good morning. May I help you? Watch and engagement ring? Oh, yes? I'm Ben Guthrie, police, Mr. Cameron. Oh, let us shake hands, Mr. Guthrie. Thank you. I respect you men very highly. 
All you police. We're holding a boy on suspicion, Mr. Cameron, uh, Jimmy Hodge. Do you know him? Jimmy, of course I know him. Is he in trouble? No. Uh, before you tell me, please come into the back room and have a cup of coffee with me. Please, Mr. Guthrie. Thanks, I will. Good. Through those curtains. Yeah, listen to it. It's perking. Take a cup off that hook, Mr. Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Jimmy said you uh, gave him a woman's coat. Say when. Oh, and thanks. The uh, boy said you Did gave. I him... gave him the coat. Hey, anybody here? Stop! Oh, excuse me, Mister Mister Guthrie. Customers, uh, make yourself at home. Uh, I'm, I'm coming, coming. Uh, good morning. Uh, may I help you? Oh, mind if we look around, pops? My wife and me are looking for a. Uh, we don't know something pretty. Okay, we'll look around? Please, uh, browse all you like. When you've decided, just call me. I'll be in the back room. I'm having coffee with a friend. Yeah, sure. Go right ahead, Pops. My wife and me get all the time in the world. Oh, you finished your cup, Mr. Guthrie. Another? Uh, No, thanks. About Jimmy Hodge, Mr. Cameron. Oh, yes, yes. So so many interruptions. Uh, The coat. Yes, I gave it to Jimmy. He works hard. I thought it would... What's Jimmy done, Mr. Guthrie? When did you give it to him? Yesterday afternoon when he finished work, about five o'clock. What's Jimmy done, Mr. Guthrie? Something bad? It was a girl's coat. It had a bullet hole in it. I know. What? You said something, Mr. Cameron. You said you knew it had a bullet hole in it. I know. It was Anita's coat. My daughter's. The coat she was murdered in. My child, Anita. Then yours. The father of a murdered girl. Two months ago, Mr. Guthrie, you must remember it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. This is a happy day for me, Mr. Guthrie. Tomorrow, Saturday, we'll be happier. Tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, we'll be much, much happier. Oh? Yeah. Tomorrow at 10, the man who killed my child, Anita, will be executed for murder. Tomorrow. That's why I respect you police, Mr. Guthrie. You'll kill him tomorrow, Saturday. Matt! Oh, Matt, I was looking for you. Oh, hello, Ben. I was just getting ready to go... Sergeant Greb. They're ready to run him through the lineup, Sergeant. Oh, I'll hey, be tell right. Tell to hold it a minute. Oh, yeah. I'll be with you in about ten minutes, officer. Right. What's on your mind, Ben? You once ran a boy through the lineup named Charles Dixon. Get out his files. Prince? Galley? Uh, no. Charles Dixon, murder. Convicted a couple of months ago in a hold-up shooting. Tape is called it the Anita Cameron case. Oh, yeah, I remember. Well, Dixon slated for execution Saturday night. Well, that's tomorrow night. Yep, that's the one. Well, what is it? A last-minute plea? The DA want the files? No, nope, me. Oh, sure. Well, by the way, did you get the 415 report I put on your desk? No, haven't been upstairs yet. Well, maybe I can save you some time. Alley attack on a woman off Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, what about it? Woman's name is Ruth Hodge. Ruth Hodge? Well, that kid we had in the lineup last night, Jimmy Hodge, his sister's name was Ruth. Oh? Well, anyway, she's at St. Anthony's Hospital. I just thought I'd let you know. Ruth Hodge? Jimmy gives her a coat with a bullet hole in it, and she gets beaten up. Do a thing for me, Matt. Files? Files on Charles Dixon. Get them. There isn't much time that kid's slated to die Saturday night. That's that's... tomorrow night. Get the files, Matt, and while I'm gone, read them. Read them carefully, Matt. 
Hodge. Miss Ruth Hodge? Yes, Doctor. I'm a policeman, Miss Hodge. My name's Ben Guthrie. I've already been questioned. You police did that already. I know. I'm afraid I'll have what to What do ask. you want to know? What happened? Who beat you up? I told them. I told them all about it. Well, tell me. Who beat you? I don't know. I don't have any new answers, Mr. Guthrie. A man wanted your money, is that it? The police keep telling me that's it. But it's not that at all. All right. What is? My coat. The man wanted the coat I was wearing. Oh? I told him that. The coat your brother gave you? Yes, Jimmy gave me that coat. Well, all right, Jimmy gave it to you. Then what? I don't know. Well, it's important that you should know, Miss Hodge. Jimmy gave you the coat. You put it on and wore it. Yes. Well, didn't you care that it had a hole in the back of it? What? The hole in the back of the coat. Oh, it didn't show much. Well, all right, what happened? I walked into the side street, the one that looks like an alley off Pennsylvania Avenue. Penmore Place, it's called, where I live. Uh, go on. A man was there, standing in a doorway, I guess. He walked up in back of me and whispered in my ear. He said, don't turn around, but that he'd give me $10. He said it was for the coat I was wearing. Well, then what? I screamed. He started to hit me. He tried to tear the coat off of me. He said, stop screaming, but I didn't. Guess he got scared. He ran. Would you recognize the man? No, he was in back of me. I told you. Uh, yes, you did. Where's the coat now? It's hanging over there, Mr. Guthrie. It's in the closet. Mm-hmm. This one? Yes. Take it, Mr. Guthrie. Take it. I don't want it anymore. Close the window, eh, Ben? All right. You could stop squiveling, too. What time is it, Ben? You asked me that five minutes ago. What are you trying to build, Ben? A boy named Charles Dixon is going to be executed at 10 tomorrow night, Saturday. For a murder maybe he didn't do. You going to prove it? That with that dressmaker's dummy you had me drag up here? This coat. It's got to mean something. Put it on the dummy again. You mean what's left of the coat, don't you? Okay, there it is. Turn it around. We've been doing this since 8 o'clock. I asked you, what are you trying to build? I told you, a boy's life. Look, Ben. 8 o'clock, I brought this dummy into your office. Then I dress it with a dead girl's clothes, Anita Cameron's blouse, Anita Cameron's coat. The bullet hole in the blouse matches the bullet hole in the coat. Right on the same line. 10 o'clock, it still matches. 10.30, coffee. Yeah. 11 o'clock, we've torn the coat apart. Nothing. 11.30, we got a torn-up coat. There's got to be something there, Matt. That coat's got to mean something. Now, first of all, it wasn't mentioned in the transcript of the trial. I called Cameron about that. You know that. The man just forgot to mention it. That's all. That's human. When he found his daughter, he took the coat off her to try to help her with her wound. Then why was Ruth Hodge beaten up for the coat? Well, maybe the guy liked women's coats. Uh, I'll go over it again for you, Ben. Two months ago, one Charles Dixon held up the jewelry store of one Roy Cameron. In the process of the holdup, he shot Anita in the back, her father being upstairs at the time. Tell me about those witnesses again, Matt. 
Uh, two witnesses, Vern Meredith and Grace Duncan. They were walking home from a dance. They saw Dixon with a gun in the girl's back. The girl had her hands up in the air. They heard a shot. They called the police. How did they know it was Dixon? They didn't. They noted the license number of a car parked with its motor running. Mm. Later, this car was found parked in front of Charles Dixon's house. In it was found the gun, the loot, and Charles Dixon, dead drunk. Can I go home? Yeah. Now Dixon's in a death cell waiting for tomorrow night. Waiting for Saturday. Can I go home now? What time is it, Matt? It's Saturday. You are a witness behind the scenes at police headquarters as we bring you Police Lineup. Yes. May I see him, please? Well, he's busy just now. I'm Mrs. Meredith. Can I help you? I'm from the police, Mrs. Meredith. I want to talk to your husband. Well, I told you he's... Well, I'm sure I could tell you whatever you want to know. Tell him it's about the Anita Cameron case, Mrs. Meredith. Oh. Tell him, Miss Meredith. I think he'll want to talk to me. Oh, of course. Of course he will. Please, come in. We're in the kitchen. Vern's having his breakfast. Please excuse how things look. We get up sort of late. Uh, Vern? Vern? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want? It's a man from the police. He wants to... Vern, put down the newspaper. It's a man from the... Yeah, yeah, I heard you, Grace. Oh. I was just reading this item to Grace when you knocked on the door, Mr... Mr. what? Guthrie, Ben Guthrie. Oh, Mr. Ben Guthrie. I was reading all. She likes it when I do that, don't you, Grace? Sure. Sure, I like it, Glenn. This item. Coincidence. Says the case of Anita Cameron is being scratched over by a man named, uh... Now, let me see. Guthrie. Ben Guthrie. You the same? Yes. Well, it says here he's trying to save the killer's life. This is a twist for a cop, ain't it, Mr. Guthrie? Burn, please. Tell me exactly what you saw and what you did the night of the hold-up. It's on the record. Very clear, very public. Anybody can read it. I didn't get around to it. So tell me. We were at a dance. We were walking home. You were with him, Mrs. Meredith? Then then you're Grace Duncan, the other witness. Yeah. Yeah, Grace Duncan. Now, Mrs. Vern Meredith, huh, Grace? We... But I'll do the talking, huh, Grace? Yeah, Mr. Guthrie, we were at a dance, Grace and me. What dance? Same like I testified, the Eagle Social Club on Benton. Vern was walking me home. I'll tell him, Grace. I walked her home because that's romantic to walk a girl home. We stopped to look at a jewelry store window and see this Charles Dixon holding up a girl. How could you tell it was a holder? <laughs> Question. She had her hands up in the air. Girl does that for other reasons. How did you know it was Dixon? On the record. 
After the shot, we took down the license number. You cops found out it was Dixon, not us. Mrs. Meredith. Yeah. Was the girl wearing a coat when she was shot? Well, yes, uh, may she... I? The girl was wearing a coat. Anything else? No, Vern. Nothing else. Not now. Thank you, Mrs. Meredith. Charles Dixon. My name is Ben Guthrie, Charles. I'm a policeman. I want to know... Policeman? I want to know what... what? I'm going to be electrocuted. What do you want me to say? Anita Cameron. I killed her. I shot her in the back. Did you? They told me I did. I believe I did. They keep telling me I did. I believe it. You went into the jewelry shop to rob it. Anita Cameron came downstairs when she heard a noise. You made her turn around and shot her in the back. Is that what you did? What? Listen to me. Yeah. You're sure of it, then? You murdered Anita Cameron. I was drunk. I was at a dance, and I got drunk. Why did you get drunk? I did it before. I liked it. You don't understand, do you? I'm trying to help you. Did I tell you? I would be electrocuted. That they say it won't hurt... Did you know, when they kill a man, electrocute him, it's painless. Think, Charles. Think of something to tell me. Something I can go on someplace it'll take me. Someone I can talk to. What happened that night when you were drunk? Why did you leave the dance? I was drunk. Did you have the gun when you left the dance? Drunk. Why did you tell her to turn around before you shot her? Almost the way I feel right now. Drunk. Then you don't really remember? You don't remember a thing? I killed her. They keep asking me to say so. They say a a man always confesses before he's electrocuted. Makes a man feel better. So I'm saying it. I killed her. And I don't feel anything at all. Talking to you, Ben. Uh-huh. Uh, why don't you go home? Why? What worries you, man? Ah, sitting there like that for hours. And? Man, nothing, Ben. Just why don't you go home? What time is it? Three more hours. I didn't ask you that. I said, what time is it? Seven o'clock. Look, uh, I'm due over at the lineup. Nobody's stopping you. Coffee, Ben. I brought you some. Didn't you do that a little while ago? Yeah, that got cold. This is nice and hot. You think Charlie Dixon killed that girl? You want an honest answer or an answer that'll make you feel good? Just an answer. Okay, I think he killed that girl. No matter what's eating you, Charles Dixon will die in two hours because he killed her. You through talking? Yeah, I'm through. Then what are you hanging around for?
Come in here. Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you want? Why did someone beat up a girl to get that coat back? Oh, you asked me that 15 minutes ago. I still don't know. How do they know about the coat the same time I did? I don't know. How? How? How you sloshed it, How do they know about the coat the same time I did? I've been telling you, Ben, I don't know. Call up Cameron's jewelry shop. Get me Cameron. It's nine o'clock, Ben. Let the poor guy alone. Call him. Okay, Ben, okay. Let me look up the number here. Let's see now. Give me that phone. Don't bite my head off for a lousy phone here. Come on, come on. Mr. Cameron? Yes? This is Guthrie, Mr. Cameron, Police Department. One question. What do you want, Mr. Guthrie? Who was in your shop when I was talking to you? Who was in your shop? Don't yell at me, Mr. Guthrie. I was trying to think. It was, um... I remember now, it was Vern and Grace Meredith, but they left the store. They didn't buy anything. Don't take your hat off, Matt. We're going out. We'll be ready in just a... Oh, I thought it was a cab. Going someplace, Mrs. Meredith? Why, uh... Sergeant Greb just asked you if you were going someplace. That the cab, Grace? No, it, it, it's not... No, it's not the cab, Vern. Oh. Well, it's you, huh? What do you want here? Relax, Mr. Meredith. We're just talking to your wife. You going someplace, Grace? Why all the bags back? Well, we... well, that's simple. He's talking to Mrs. Meredith. We're going on a little trip, that's all. When did you get married, Grace? March. March the 3rd. I got it right here inside my ring. Here, I'll show you. Yeah, the day after Anita Cameron was murdered, wasn't it? An impulse. Grace and me, impetuous. Or a wife can't testify against her husband? Grace, how did your husband kill Anita Cameron? <laughs> you kid. Shut up, Vern. You asked your wife. Vern. Was it like this, Grace? You waited outside until Vern was robbing that storm. Then Anita came in and surprised him. Vern, he held doing? a gun on her, made her turn around and shot her in cold blood. Charles Dixon did that, remember? That's why he's going to burn. Then you both got scared, Grace. You saw Charlie Dixon passed out in his car. You planted the gun and whatever you stole in the glove compartment. It was like that, wasn't it, Grace? No. No. Tell him no, Vern. Where'd you get the gun, Vern? I never had a gun. But you know how to shoot one. I never had a gun. You have a record of robbery in 43. It said you had a gun. I was never convinced. Why did you Kill Anita. In 43, you had a gun. You said you never had a gun. All right. So I had a gun. Is that the gun you used to kill Anita? When I was arrested in 43, the police kept that gun. Then you used another gun to kill Anita. Dixon killed Anita. What about the coat? What coat? What are you talking about? What coat are you talking about? The coat about? Anita was wearing when you shot her. <laughs> Look, look, we gotta catch a kid. The coat, Vern. You beat up a girl to get it back on Pennsylvania Avenue. You hid in an alley and beat up a girl to get the coat back. Why? Vern, Vern, I told you. Shut up. Shut up. Leave her alone. Come on, I said leave her alone. Get you. Okay, Vern. Over there. Over there and face the wall. Clasp your hands over your head. Look, what is this? You heard him. Against that wall. All right, all right. 
Hey, this? You did fine, Vern. Sit down, Grace. Matt. Huh? Get her a glass of water. Okay. Where's the kitchen? Yeah, right through that door. All right. You are, Mrs. Meredith. <laughs> Your husband's a murderer, Grace. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. The Cody tried to tear off a girl's <laughs> no, back proves it. Don't talk to him, Grace. He's fishing. He don't know anything. Grace, when you and Vern were in the jewelry store, you heard me talking to Mr. Cameron about the coat. So Vern knew it was important. Now I know why. He didn't do it. He didn't Look at do your it. husband standing over there, Grace. I don't know what you're trying to do. He's got his hands clasped over his head. A coat rises when a person does that. If I shot your husband in the back, the bullet hole in his coat would be a couple of inches lower than the one in his shirt. Burn, make them stop. The make bullet them stop. hole, the bullet hole in Anita's coat was in line with the one in her blouse. That means her hands weren't in the air like you told us. You lied at the trial, Grace. You lied because your Vern here killed Anita. Now listen to him, Grace. I'll trick you. Oh, take your time, Mrs. Meredith. Think about it. Got a cigarette, Ben? Mm-hmm. Here. Oh, thanks. You want one, Mrs. Meredith? No? no. Well, we're sure having a hot spell. Uh, mind if I open the window? Ah, there, that's better, isn't it? Be healthy for your trial, so don't move. Cover him, Matt. I've got a phone call to make. Uh huh. Operator. This is the police department. Give me the warden, the state penitentiary. What time is it, Matt? Don't get yourself excited, Ben. You still got ten minutes. Police Lineup was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and stars William Johnstone as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie and Joseph Kearns as Sergeant Matt Greb. Music was composed and conducted by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were David Ellis, Jack Edwards, Jester Hairston, Byron Kane, Vivian Baber, Lillian Bioff, Herb Butterfield, and Anthony Barrett. You've been listening to Police Lineup. For before you have passed the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. Listen in again next week when Police Lineup brings you... This will help me get my little girl back. We want you to identify the man you saw talking to her. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I call off the number of their name and charge. If you
you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you are sure or not This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc the fbi in peace and war usually heard at this time throughout the year is taking its summer vacation the fbi in peace and war will return to cbs six weeks from now august 31st ladies and gentlemen we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city, where under the cold, glaring lights will pass before us the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. We take you now to the lineup. Just identify the man you saw holding the gun. We'll see that nothing happens to you. Sit down. Gangsters. I should never have taken that job as janitor there in the first place. A suite of offices. A nest for gangsters. You should have thought about that. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire, may I have your attention, please? (laughs) Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name, and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner as I call his name. At the end of the line, when I call for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. I don't like this, Lieutenant. I'm worried. The officers who took your name will assist you. They're seated among you. Please be prompt with your questions or identifications. When the prisoners leave here, they are sent to the bathroom and dressed back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back here after they leave. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice, so do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. This way, boys, right down the stage. You, the front man, walk to the end of it, take your place. The rest follow. Turn around and face front. Hands by your sides. Look straight ahead so the people out there can see you. Number one, John Meston, vagrancy. Where do you live, John? 
House on 69th Street. I know that, but what number? Ain't no number. One with a flag and one. All right. What were you doing when the officer arrested you? I was in a barrel. What were you doing in a barrel? Nothing, Lieutenant. When things get going bad, I find me a barrel and I sit in it until I feel better. Anything wrong with that? Number two, Lee Dahlgren carrying concealed weapons. Where do you live, Lee? Blue Point Hill, 1256 Park Boulevard. That's a pretty tony place, Lee. What were you doing on Skid Row with the Luger? Walking. Where'd you get the Luger? It's not mine. It's my wife. Where'd she get it? I was going to ask her today where she got it. Number three, Aram Kujaran. Beth. Where do you live, Aram? Uratu, Armenia. Armenia? What are you doing here? Getting ready to go back to Uratu, Armenia. What were you doing when the officer arrested you? Practicing my profession like so I had in Uratu, Armenia. What's your profession, Aram? Big pocket. Number four, Eddie Gaynor, suspicion of murder. Where do you live? Wherever you led me. Number four. Number four. All right, Sergeant. Turn sideways, Eddie. Okay. Again, so your back is to the audience. Again, sideways. Front, Eddie. Is this man identified? How about him, Mr. Hardison? Uh, number four. feel like I was born here, lived here, died here. When did you get in? Two days ago. It's a frame. I didn't kill him. Maybe I should never come. From where? Long Ridge. It's in Illinois. Where Chicago dumps its garbage. Why did you leave him? I told you. I wanted to better myself. Live like real people live. Especially rich people. What do you do, Eddie? Come again. I mean, what's your work, your profession? How do you make a living? Oh, that. I steal, eat up in a week. The price is right, I'll kill. There are other ways to make a living. Johnny Durando was a big man in our town. The price for killing him must have been high. Who paid you to kill him, Eddie? Nobody. Because I didn't kill Johnny Durando. Why should I kill him? I needed him. For what? For what I said to better myself. Johnny was big. He was a hoodlum, a gangster. Like I said, like you said, he was big. Good connections. When I get to town, the wind whispers in my ear, Johnny Toronto. With Johnny, it'll be good. I don't kill what's good for me. How to see the janitor, the man who identified you. Said he heard shots early this morning while he was cleaning up. Saw you running out of Johnny's office with a gun in your hand. Found Johnny with bullet holes in him. Just like I found him. Tell me how it was. It'll do good. Tell me. Walking down the hall at Johnny's office, I hear shots. Quick, I run in. Johnny slumped over his desk. He's dead with his head on his penny bank. I reach for my gun. I don't have it. Oh? I don't have it because my gun got there ahead of me. It's on the floor at Johnny's feet. My gun. And they timed it perfect. They knew I had an appointment with him at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why didn't you leave it alone? Why'd you pick up your gun? Why did you run? <laughs> you must be kidding. Must be making big ha-ha jokes with me, huh? Why does a guy like me run? Who arranged your appointment with Toronto? Something who sells perfume, cologne, things like that. Ruby Lloyd? Yeah, yeah. Ruby. Never 
saw him before in my life. About five o'clock, he picks me up at the pool room where I've been hanging out. In his big car. Takes me to a store, sells me a fifth of November afternoon. Tells me I got an appointment with Johnny. What more could a guy ask? Between five and two in the morning, where were you? With a girl. I give you her name free. Because she was in on the frame. Jenny Breen. At the free smile counter in Mickey's bar in Maine. How are you framed, Eddie? Tell me. Jenny takes me home with her because she sees I'm a stranger in town. We talk, she sings me a lullaby. I fall asleep. Five to two, she wakes me, pushes me out the door. I shouldn't be late for my appointment with the rental. I don't even have time to notice my gun is gone. I figured him... You got a date, Eddie. You got a date to die because you're murdered. What have you got, man? A report from ballistics. The bullet in Toronto's body came from Eddie's gun here. <laughs> yeah, what a pretty, pretty frame. You boys can go petty by now. Your day's work's done. Maybe, Eddie. I'll go make sure. Lock him up, man. Reckon what, mister? Scotch. Johnny Walker. Scotch. Thanks. Well, you asked for it, you got it. Makes me nervous when a guy just stares at his scotch. Oh, lonesome, huh? A scotch stare with a burden. Huh? We provide, mister. Yeah. Friend told me. You see, a friend told you. Our hostesses bring a smile, mister. Uh, who'd your friend tell you? Jenny. Uh, he told you good. Jenny. Hey, hey, hey Jenny. A friend told this lonesome man there was a girl, Jenny, here. Hello. He poured that drink for you, Jenny. Uh-huh. Well, tried, keg. Enjoy each other. Yell loud and clear when you want more. I said hello. Yeah, no. I'm trying to think of a clever answer. Forget it. I was just thinking. Forget Jenny. that, too. Till a young evening. Uh, give me a nickel, huh? All right. Here. What'd your friend say about me? That you're nice to talk to? He was in last night. It's a good song. It's a real good song. Last night he came in feeling unhappy. He said, Jenny, listen to him. What line of work are you in, mister? Oh, you call it public relations? Fancy. I like things made out of silk. Your friend tell you that? He said he went home with you. Last night? Mm-hmm. Last night. That's what Eddie said. You know why you're not drinking your drink? Because you're a cop on duty who's not drinking on duty. What happened last night, Matt? Matt, come here. What happened to me last night, Matt? Oh, what happened to you last night? You were here till 3 in the a.m. I took you home. Had my eye on you all last night, Jenny. Goodbye, cop. Goodbye, <laughs> cop. 
I'm Ben. Hey, just in time. I was just going to close up. Hi, Ruby. What's the matter, Ben? You're going out and you need to smell good? I got some English cologne on sale. Make you smell like a dove. <laughs> Come on in. I locked the door because if another customer came in, I'd be rude to him. I'm not tired. Well, what can I show you, Ben? It's always such a pleasure to wait on you. You stayed open today, Ella Ruby. I shouldn't have done that. Should have stayed home and sewed the black band on my sleeve, huh? Yes, but I've got a sale going on. It's been advertised in the press and radio and TV. Oh, I couldn't disappoint my client. Johnny Taranto might have been disappointed. Johnny might have been at there. Many ways, he was a sensitive man. You know, Ben, I've been so engrossed in this sale, I didn't even think of it in that way. Oh, forgive me, Johnny. That's all Johnny's death means to companion his number one errand boy. Well, at the funeral, I'll be his number one mourner. Oh, why'd you pry into my emotions, Ben? Where were you last night, Ruby? Around... Two o'clock, say. Well, with my wife at home, I couldn't sleep, so my wife played hearts with me. You can check that with her maid. She let us use her cards. I don't keep a pack in the house. With Johnny Taranto dead, the syndicate could crown you king in this town, couldn't it, Ruby? Oh, it could, but I gave up all that years ago. As everyone knew, even Johnny. <laughs> you know, in my heart, I hate perfume. What did you promise Eddie for the job? Eddie gave it. Oh, you think I hired him to kill Johnny? Well, it could work out good for you that way. You get rid of Johnny, frame the kid, retire from toilet water. Oh, if I weren't so exhausted, Ben, I'd be angry with you. Well, look, it was like this. Word comes to me a kid from out of town wants to contact Johnny. I'm a friend of man, so I arrange a meeting. How do I know the kid is unstable and will throw bullets like stones into Johnny's face? Oh, here. I'll let you out. I'll manage. Don't take your wife away for a vacation, Ruby. We'd miss you both. Just got a call, Lieutenant. Homicide. Where, Barry? Alley between Maple and Truce. 23rd Street. Three blocks away. Red light siren. Let's go. A little tough. No. I know who she is. Huh? A girl who liked hillbilly music. In the bar? Yeah. Call them all, Party. Tell them to come to an alley and pick up Ginny Breen. scenes at police headquarters as we bring you the lineup. It's not only murder in an antique shop, it's murder by an antique method which faces Mr. Keene when he comes to CBS again tonight. This time, the famed tracer of lost persons 
investigates the death of a man who owns an old curiosity shop and who has been murdered by one of his items of merchandise, an antique battle axe. Join Mr. Keene just a little later tonight on most of these same CBS stations for Murder in the Old Curiosity Shop. And now we return you to The Lineup. gang killing? You've been through it before. Sometimes we come up with a killer, sometimes no. So? So you sleep on it. As simple as that, eh? Simpler. The young hooligan comes to town, knocks over Johnny Taranto. What's coming? I know, I know. So you sleep on it. Matt. You're still trying to alibi Eddie Gaynor? He said he was framed. A young hood, his gun at the scene of the crime. Oh, don't get philosophical about a punk like that. Why was Jenny Breen killed, Matt? A hanger-on. She rubbed noses with hooligans. She could have come to me five years ago and I would have told her what happened. Maybe I couldn't have said what alley, but there would have been an alley in it. We've got to find out who killed her, Matt. We will. And who killed Johnny Toronto? Eddie Gaynor. I don't know. I really don't know, Matt. How can you not know? Toronto runs everything in this town that's got a fast dollar strung to it. He buys lots with these fast dollars, most anything he wants. Let's not kid ourselves. Toronto owns his part of this town. Someone wants it, hires Eddie Gaynor to kill him. Let's not kid each other, Ben. I'll drop you off, Matt. Such late hours, you boys keep. Uh, What's on your mind, Tobin? What's on my mind, he says. What's on a lawyer's mind at a time like this? In a place like this? With boys like you? Stop jingling those coins, Tobin. All right. What's on your mind? Read it. Read it and pop a tear. A writ. Habeas corpus, boys. Release Eddie Gaynor. Writ says so. I'll wait for him at the desk. Sleep well. What stupid... I'll go on with your education, Ben. Eddie Gaynor's just been sprung. People with connections... Don't say it, don't say it. Come on, I'll take you home. Let me go 
going there for a while. Oh? Yeah, oh. I walked into my lot. I... Oh, I'm Murray of Murray Hughes Cars. Your name, please, sir? Ben Guthrie. Thanks, Mr. Guthrie. I take your name because it is unknown when you might be in the market for a used car. I know your name. It's like you're dealing with an old friend. You found him like this? Just the way you see him sitting there in the front seat, like he was real. Like he was admiring the dashboard of this luxurious bargain in a used car. I helloed him, went into my speed. You couldn't tell he was dead? Well, now, I tell you, Mr. Guthrie, some of the suckers I get in here, it's hard to tell. But this one looks so sold. I thought he was alive and intelligent. Why, I even handed him my ballpoint fountain pen. This man's Eddie Gaynor. Why didn't you call the police? Well, finding a dead man all shot up in one of your better used car bargains, that takes a little mulling over, friend. After I mulled, I was going to call you for sure. Honest. Uh, you say this man's Eddie Gaynor I've been reading about in the paper? Well, what do you know? <laughs> well, what do you know about that? <laughs> Yes. What is it, Barney? That lawyer, Tobin. We still haven't been able to find him. Still can't understand why he should take off like he did. Lose himself. A client of his was found murdered in a used car lot. Maybe... Maybe Tobin was ashamed. Or maybe he heard we'd want to question him. Yeah, but a big criminal lawyer like that? Uh, maybe something will come up. Keep looking. I've got to make this line up. Yes, sir. What did you say to the officer, Lee? I didn't know he was an officer. What did you say to him? Just did he want to see the sights of the city, tour of the spot, have a good time, you know. Number 26, Mooney Roger, purse snatching. Where do you live, Mooney? Turned I believe that's the man, Sergeant. I believe that's the man, Sergeant. Yes, yes, I'm sure of it. Sergeant Graham. Yes, Lieutenant. Send that man to my office for interrogation. The woman, too. Right. <laughs> No, come in, Florence. Sit down. Mooney will be here in a minute. Do I look awful? His clothes fit me like a bag. <laughs> oh, I can't help it, Lieutenant. I felt conspicuous all during that lineup. Oh, it'll pass. You're getting to be a good policewoman, Florence. I did good. I did good, huh? You're dead, Mooney? Just fine. <laughs> I want to tell you, miss, when you're off duty, not being a policewoman, hold on to your purse tighter. There's guys like me for real on the streetcars. What have you got, Mooney? I'm a good stoolie, huh? Yes, I told you. The lady, the miss, does she think... Mooney, you're a good stoolie. Yeah. <laughs> it's clever the way I arrange for the cops to pick me up so the boys won't know my true profession, so I can stay alive. So much shooting lately. Yeah. What have you got? You're looking for a lawyer, Tobin. Mm-hmm. I, uh, got a friend. Runs the Ferris wheel at the Bayshore Park. He's got a little room underneath the hotel. There, huh? You might try there, Lieutenant. Once Tobin did my friend a big favor. Arsony rap. You might try there. You're a good stoolie, Mooney. <laughs> yeah. Your 
not a welcome sight to me, boys. You won't mind my saying it right to your faces. Ah, oh, Tobin, that hurts. Haven't we always cooperated with you? You walk in jingling coins, you ask us to release a boy. We release him just because you ask us. You have to be glad to see him. Sure, Tobin. We made it so easy for Eddie Gaynor to get killed, we thought you'd want to thank us. That's why we looked you up. I had nothing to do with killing that boy. Absolutely nothing. Quite the reverse. Reverse? That means you were trying to save his life. Is that what it means, Tobin? Well, answer me. It must mean something else, Sam Ben. You're wasting your time, boys. I studied the law real hard. That's why I know about things like this. Our policemen can waste time. Where did it get you, studying hard? You've got a mansion, a three-car garage, servants to feed you, press your pants, and you end up under a Ferris wheel. Maybe it's this, Matt. Maybe it's just that he likes to hide under a Ferris wheel. Other people ride, he hides. It's just like you say, boy. But there's one thing we don't understand, Tobin. Why do you like to hide? You're all clear like you say what's the need. I forgot. Maybe you thought no one would notice how Eddie was killed. How you got him out on a writ so he could be killed. I forgot. But at headquarters you'll remember, eh, Tobin? So fix the crease in your pants and let's go. Yeah, come on, let's go. How can you stand the noise of that wheel going round and round over your head, eh? thing like that could drive a man bats. Uh, put the loose change in your pocket, Tobin. It'll get in the way of the cuffs. You're making a big mistake, boys. But we'll live. People like you make a mistake and you die. That's the difference between us. There's one other thing we don't understand, Tobin. Eddie Gaynor was almost sure to be executed. Why did the syndicate have him released? Wouldn't it have been cheaper to let the state kill Eddie for him? The uh, cuffs too tight, Tobin? I'll make a deal with you, boys. You know better. No deal. I'll offer it anyway. You can consider it. There's no law says you can't consider it. So? You said a man like me makes a mistake, he gets killed. You were so right, you don't know. Riddles, Tobin. All I want for what I give you is protection. You've got to promise you'll do your best to keep me from getting murdered. Whatever you get to give. I was Johnny Toronto's friend. I tried to make something up to him. I didn't want him dead. Who did? There's the promise. All right, kind heart, I'll tell you anyway. Eddie Gaynor was framed because someone wanted Johnny dead. Johnny was killed, and Eddie was a perfect pigeon. It was my own idea to get Eddie released. I thought Johnny would like that, for me to use this someone's pigeon to avenge Johnny's death. This someone killed Johnny. Who? Ruby Lloyd. And the girl? Ruby Lloyd. And Eddie? Ruby Lloyd. He'd kill me, too, if he could find me. Prove it to us, Tobin. How? We'll get you to the phone. You'll call Ruby. Tell him he doesn't have to look for you anymore. You'll be at Toronto's office in an hour. You don't believe me, huh? You'll protect me? If we have to. You'll have to. You sure you'll be all right, Ben? Oh, I like it here, man. I like Toronto's swivel chair. No squeaks. Air foam. It's got a rich feel about it. How do you open a penny bank? Hmm? In Toronto's penny bank, how do you... Well, never mind. Yeah, I got it. I don't get it. I thought I was going to be... The pigeon? Uh-uh. Look, Ben, what do you want to be, a hero? Ruby Lloyd expects to meet Tobin here, doesn't he? I just want to surprise him. I didn't realize that you Take boys... him out of here, Matt. Hold him on a... Well, he'll tell you what you hold him on. An open charge will make it. 
Take me away, officer. You sure, Ben? On your way out, turn out the lights. All right. See you, Ben. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.